0: You know what sucks about disenchantment besides everything? (laughs) (laughs) What? I didn't stick with it after the first couple episodes. I watched the entire second season they now have. There's a third one that just got announced. You excited? But here's what bothers me. Okay. The art is incredible. It
1: looks good. The character designs are the a car- little. Too... The character design is groaning esque. Yeah, I like the look of uh, what's his name's character. Like can no. I think of it was? Eric Andre. Eric Andre. Yes. Sorry, yeah. Now and and the... he looks out of place for the rest of the show, but the yeah. I, the fucking the little guy is just wearing Bart's clothes, <laughs> Bart, like <yeah>. like what? <laughs> um, it's
0: incredibly well voice acted. Yeah, and Matt Berry's great for the most part. The writing is good, except that it's the most unfunny thing I've ever watched <laughs> in my life. It's like... It's also, like, plot... Ba- like, it's, yes, yeah, like that's it's, what I'm saying. It's, like, like f- for the most Matt part, first attempt
1: to the doing lessons
0: a... and, like, the morals of the story and all that are all, like, pretty well written. Everything mm-hmm. comes around. As far as, like, structurally goes, it's, like, written well. You just well. mean actual... But just content, there's nothing. And this is not funny, mm, and it's yeah. like that'd be okay if it wasn't trying to be funny. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> it's built as a comedy. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> and that's what makes it awful. Aren't the episode's
1: I, a little too long, too. It's not like, your *Simpsons*. 22 close to million, like thirty so minutes. Okay. Yeah, because
0: Netflix. do commercials, and they got the yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's like twenty-five minutes, which normally I,
1: mean? I I would say is great, but yeah,
0: well, some of those shows. Benefited from that broken up time slot kind of yeah. situation yeah. or broken up uh, like structure. But There's
1: a lot of Adult Swim shows that started at 15 and then went to a half hour. And yeah. it's weird because it's like I loved a lot of those shows, but when it's a half hour, you're like, eh. like it's yeah. kind of- What if
2: What if that's just Matt Groening's bit? If I was like famous enough to just get a show on Netflix <laughs> yeah. for being funny. And creating one of the best Comedies of all time To just yeah. make one That's not funny on purpose <laughs> It's just me but see <laughs> the saying like, like, <laughs> There
0: are moments If you watch all of it You're bound to laugh Maybe once Yeah I think I watched like, Two or three episodes and then, Well yeah it, even, even the I mean? worst like, comedies
1: Ever Every once in a while Will like have a funny Yeah, you know, like, exactly. yeah That's good And man. there
0: are moments That like have me cracking up But it's not like It's not like the other day Before I left We all watched An old episode of Futurama From probably fucking 2004 or oh, yeah. well, that's crafted Like Futurama and the Simpsons
1: Are like They don't even Give you time. We're just laughing yeah. every fucking every five seconds, and this, it's just yeah. like
0: a room full of people who generally have very varying comedy tastes and everything. Yeah. We're all laughing, but it's like this is just like not a, there's not enough funny there's not yeah. enough anything. I don't know what it is. Like, if it was serious, then make it go all the way serious, and I would respect that. Or if it yeah. was funny. Like, it's just stuck in some middle-nowhere land, and it's just... I don't know how I gotta <laughs> it got a season. Let alone a third. Or why I
1: watched it. <laughs> <laughs> you watched it because it was on Netflix. God, I'd be wow, yeah. well, Do you know what Matt Groening's hand is in that show? Is he like directly. I mean, he's I don't know. credited as the creator, but I don't know if he's like a writer. He, he walked like a into writer. our
2: room once and was like, "Yo, what if like Simpsons drama, drama <laughs> was in the medieval times?" <laughs> yeah. And then he, and then he's like, "Oh, hold on, I gotta take this," and walked out. And then people wrote a show. That's what happened. <laughs>
0: but yeah, and they it, put it's his like name six it. about it. It's like, there's a lot of cool voices. Like all the all the old Simpsons guys. Some of them, to them are still them there. Like <laughs> all like it's just it's very well acted. And like I said, the writing is actually good. Just not the writing where it matters. <laughs> which is the funny part?
1: Like that's funny. I don't know. I mean, it's not funny, but yeah. Like Austin me that kind of makes it fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I watched the first few episodes, and I was like, okay. I've seen all <laughs> of done. it. I'm done. I've seen all of it. So yeah.
0: that's my opinion. And this is cartoon button. <laughs>
2: It's created by Matt Groening and Josh Weinstein. Doesn't say who the writers are. I guess. That oh, Josh Weinstein
1: is—he is, was an old writer in The Simpsons and the Golden. Him and Bill Oakley created uh, Mission Hill. Yeah, it's like that. Good track record, but I guess uh, just didn't. It says created
2: by Matt Groening, developed by Josh Weinstein, and then written by a bunch of other people. Bill Oakley.
1: Yeah, Bill Oakley was the other person.
2: David X. Cohen. Yeah, he's
1: the. Co-creator of Futurama and yeah. also Old Simpsons, right? What happened? <laughs> no, that was... I don't think
0: they were writing jokes. Yeah. To be honest, probably Maybe there's too much freedom on Netflix as opposed to like. Or maybe it's just not that. Like I meant like I don't think it was like I don't know when the last time all of those dudes were in a room like writing jokes.
1: Yeah, I mean that's how the Simpsons and Futurama used to be written, but I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if it's. I don't like that know anymore.
0: if that. I'm sure it is. I can't imagine it not being like. All right, let's get a joke here. They have a writers' room with a bunch of. But are they in it and how often? And if they are, like, the fuck was going on? Because historically, very funny.
2: One of the staff writers for Disenchantment, who's worked on all 20 episodes, his only other writing credits are Simpsons Bowling, <laughs> Simpsons Night of the Living, Treehouse of Horror, which is a video game, and Simpsons Think Wrestling. Bowling
1: yeah, Simpsons Wrestling they're is all, a Simpsons Wrestling is a terrible PlayStation. All game.
2: all video games, yeah. Huh.
0: And so, they tried to so. had a bunch of writers yeah. like, oh, we know all these guys, or a couple of them. Let's bring them in, maybe some new. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I just like no offense to those people; they're probably very good at what they do, and they deserve those jobs. Or, uh, maybe I don't, <laughs> don't know if I'm in a place to say that, but like,
1: well, speaking I'm still of a little bit disappointed, bad games like Simpsons Wrestling. I... <laughs> Good transition. I can
0: use that. <laughs> oh, the as a cold master open. segue. Or the other two wrote we cavity Gravity
2: can... Falls
1: and regular show. Those shows are great. I know. Man, really, what did happen? I
0: don't know. <laughs> we can either use that as the cold open, or we can rank major corporations by their human rights violations. <laughs> Nestle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want to own all the water. <laughs> Walmart. <laughs> I want to own all the money. <laughs> 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 All right, so this intro is actually gonna be kinda hard. You've either heard of this game or you haven't. And while we don't usually host topics about super obscure shit, this story was honestly just too bizarre and too creepy to resist. Hong Kong 97, an unlicensed top-down, I guess, shooter for the Super Famicom floppy disk attachment system that was mysteriously released throughout parts of Asia around sometime in 1995. What makes this title different, however, in a territory known for many bootlegs at the time, is its notoriously poor quality, intentionally off-color political message, and its tasteless inclusion of an actual dead body. For decades, very little was known about the strange origin of the game, including who even made it and how it was even distributed. That was until only last year. I'm about to unravel a tale of something you probably wish you didn't e- you didn't know about. Oh, that's a good way to... Last <laughs> year, what year? Like,
0: 2018? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah. for those listening in the future. <laughs> yeah.
1: We're not going to be around, around. By <laughs> I'm Randall Beatrice, continuing with our October series on horror in the world of games, and here, as always, with Austin Blakeslee. It's called Hot
0: Skeleton Fest. Oh, Hot Ween. <laughs> I remember what it was called.
1: And Chris on <laughs> I'm not feeling good. Skeleton
0: Fest. <laughs> Sorry, Hot Ween continues. Is this the last Hot Ween episode? No, we got one no, more. we got one more after one more. this one. Oh, one, one more. <laughs> and then November's. All
1: episodes about games. displacing native people. <laughs> <laughs> so we're covering um, Custer's Revenge, and wasn't there an ethnic cleansing video game? I think I all mentioned right, that. But Jesus Christ, do
0: you know all the worst games all the time? I uh, I'm like Randall what that game where you're playing
1: where you're forced to work in a Nike sweatshop, and you're like, oh yeah, that's uh... <laughs> <laughs> I played it. That's... All right, but who's ready for some fucking weirdness? That's what October's all about. It's true. So, before we get into the title itself, let's first explain the device needed to actually play it. Otherwise, following this might already be a bit more confusing than it already is. Yeah. Uh, the Super Famicom was, of course, the Japanese Super Nintendo with virtually identical parts. It looked a lot cooler, I thought. Uh, <laughs> like that controller and everything. On the inside, uh, it was the same, uh, despite yeah. the change in visual design on the outside, as I said. Looking cooler looking cooler. (laughs) Dope console and huge deal in Asian countries as well as all over the world and when something becomes that massively popular then there's always more money to be made on it sometimes by unsavory markets. Now while bootlegging wasn't exactly rampant here in America during the 16-bit era possibly due to those Nintendo Atari lawsuits involving TenGen and you know a generation before scaring everyone off the same couldn't be really said about Japan and the countries neighboring it. Gaming was an expensive hobby and the region wasn't particularly experiencing the same economic boom as we were back then.
0: Yeah, and I also think that gaming, when it came to America, was like way more consumer culture immediately totally, yes. than it was sort of this expensive like electronics-based
1: hobby. Yeah, you know absolutely. What I mean? that was, it was more of a niche thing. We're I mean, super into ham radio. Well, here it was like, <laughs> video games were like toys back yeah. then. Like, I don't think it was the same there. And not only that, but some territories like in China and Singapore and Taiwan and the Philippines, many of the options to experience the venture weren't even really available at all. But people still wanted to game. And in order to take advantage Advantage of those who maybe couldn't afford a $60 to $90 release every few weeks, or couldn't even get damn copy of Super Mario Brothers 3 in their area if you had the cash, companies and certain peripherals started springing up to combat this. Products such as the Game Doctor, Super Pro Fighter Q, and for our story today, the Super Wildcard began appearing in the underground markets, all while being advertised as quote unquote backup devices. These attachments, when connected to your Super Famicom, it would kind of, like, lock in on top, would create a copy of whatever cartridge was plugged in. This way, titles could be easily distributed or even sold across communities that didn't want to bother with importing or just as an alternative to going through the pricey, legitimate venues to get new games. Genius. Yeah. If we com- can only still—oh, wait, pirating. Never mind. <laughs> it's kind of cool. I looked up, the, like, what these things looked like, and, it, it, it like, it's bulky. It kind of looks like a, super, like a Super Nintendo on top of a Super Nintendo, similar to, like, Genesis. This is like 32x kind of, mm-hmm. but rentals were being copied, copies were being copied, and there was nothing Nintendo could do about it. It obviously violated copyrights, but catching the shit was tough back then, and the big end didn't really have the jurisdiction in some of the areas where these things were most known to be used in.
0: Yeah, until the future when Nintendo has an actual army. You can't wait for that to. <laughs> the Nintendo <laughs>
1: Army. Yeah, it's still a thing. It's called Advance Wars. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> they like, like uh,
0: pointing out, and
2: we've talked about no clip a lot. Do you watch the cloth map thing?
1: Oh, is that the one on where Brazil? Drew? Yeah, goes to Brazil. Yeah, so I know Chris brought up before another, that like, the Genesis, a former was, like, the...
2: Giant Bomb employee named Drew Scanlon, also noticed the blinking white yes. guy. Yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> he's come up on here before. He has a you.
2: YouTube channel called Cloth Map, which is basically like the travel channel but related to video games. Yeah, and in the one episode, he goes down to Brazil. I think it's
1: like games in general. He also does like and, board like, games and card Brazil games. Brazil
2: has these crazy high import taxes.
1: Yeah, or is it Brazil? I think no. I think it's Brazil. Is it South Brazil? America's yeah, country.
2: somewhere in South America has crazy high import taxes. So getting an X, even like an Xbox 360 or a PlayStation it's like 2, there, like fifteen hundred dollars or it's something, like fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. But, like, before those taxes existed, they were able to get things like the Super Nintendo and the Genesis. Yeah. So, there's like an entire market of people making homebrew versions of things like Guitar <laughs> yes. Hero that work on the Super <laughs> Nintendo.
1: <It's laughs> Sometimes crazy. they'll pop up on those little mall kiosks, yeah. too. It's but it, it's because they found
0: ways to bootleg those systems in country. So, it was a lot cheaper to yeah, do it yeah. than yeah. importing the other But
1: it's, it's actually cool that you brought up homebrewing because that is kind of the base of our mm-hmm. talk today. Like, it sounded like there was going to get more into piracy, but we're actually not not talking about that this time this is more about you know making people making their own games yeah see the uh, super wild Card and game doctor devices that i mentioned earlier also doubled as development units and came complete with flo- uh, like a floppy disk drive where anyone with the know-how could technically create their own roms to play on the console arguably pretty cool for those early years like you could yeah. even rip it to the cartridge and like you know
0: or you could overwrite someone else's your own cartridge own.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. I guess I assume that's probably what they had to do, because it's not like you could get blank cartridges. That when, yeah. I know when you make repros. Well, I know like, like
2: when, when people used to do this in the Famicom days, because Famicom had the Famicom disk system, yes. the floppy disk yeah. drive. And you could, you could overwrite games with you that. You could.
1: They, they supported, like, there were, like, kiosks. There were and kiosks stuff, where yeah. you could,
2: like, rent games and overwrite your floppies with new games or whatever. Yeah.
1: It's, kind of, it's so they super kind of, ambitious. Right? They
2: kind of developed the technology, and then these That's people true. probably just used it yeah, for the Super Famicom. that
1: predates this. Mm-hmm. The makers responsible for bringing these features into the world of the Super Famicom was the now-defunct Chinese electronics company, Bung Enterprises. Good
2: name. An absolute, nice
1: <laughs> an absolute nemesis of of Nintendo during their reign, with the famous manufacturer aggressively pursuing them legally for months and months and months to stop the sale of products Wait, like these. You
0: tell me that Nintendo beat out Bung for <laughs> international recognition? I don't even know.
1: If they... <laughs> I mean, their goal was to stop the spread of it more. Like, they didn't want it to reach the European market or to come here.
0: And their handheld, the Bung Boy, didn't play well on American <laughs> markets. <laughs>
1: But, but Nintendo was mostly going after them so that, that like crappy knockoffs of their big releases wouldn't get around. They weren't really thinking about the weirdos out there that would birth something like Hong Kong 97 into the scene. So let's get into the the game kind of itself. For starters, the title itself is identical to an American direct-to-video action film starring Terminator 2's Robert Patrick, and was released a year earlier. While it was said to have In
0: nineteen ninety seven?
1: No, in nineteen ninety-five. I think this movie might have come out in ninety four.
0: Gotcha. And it's just called Hong Kong. It's,
1: no, this one's called Hong Kong ninety seven as well. Uh, well okay. Yeah. <laughs> the movie itself apparently was pretty fairly unremarkable in terms of reviews and sales.
0: Yeah.
1: It did Kind of share a similar setting to her about the disgust, though, with the back of the VHS tape reading about how an assassin kills several high-ranking Chinese officials and must get out of the country quickly before he himself is murdered. I'm sure it's just riveting. But other than that, you will soon find out that there's really no relation. I think he just grabbed that title. Yeah. But, but I mean, it will thematically, you know, kind of make sense. (laughs) But anyway, I guess... um. I should probably explain that game in question here. Which, buckle up, because this description is going to be a little difficult to follow and may also feature some pretty inappropriate ideas. Like I brought up before, parts of it deliberately don't make sense, while other parts are purposely looking to offend. Okay. For those that manage to somehow get their hands on this thing, I will dive into that later, don't worry... The first thing you will notice upon boot up is the developer name HappySoft, the option for multiple languages, including Mandarin and English, surprisingly, and most notably the music, wherein the first two lines of the upbeat children's song, I Love Beijing Tiananmen, will ominously play on a 10-second loop endlessly throughout the entire game without stopping. (laughs) Now, I do have a sample here, just to make you guys feel immersed. This is going to be like Halloween 3. You ready for this?
0: Our face is going to (laughs) melt.
2: I can see the the title screen on the video you just so,
0: and that just loops. That's loops the loops, entire game. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we get the idea.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just imagine this here, just repeating over and over again. So you've lost your Now translated, I believe the lines there are that that woman is saying is. I love Beijing Tiananmen The sun rises above Tiananmen The great leader Chairman Mao Lead all of us forward Nice (laughs) That's a catchy tune (laughs)
2: That sounds like somebody wrote that out of the bottom of their heart and wasn't held at gunpoint <laughs> to write it. <laughs> totally. You know, the
1: propaganda is very odd. <laughs> um, so, Mood is set. Uh, you choose your native text, and then an ad, or should I say, an inquiry from the devs themselves pops up saying uh, Games wanted! Exclamation point. We will sell your original SNES games. One third of the gross profit will be yours. We welcome games of any kind, so please send us your floppy. We will contact you after careful considerations. Then a second message, which reads, Would you like to sell our products at your store? We are looking for dealers worldwide. We will heavily discount orders for more than 50 pieces. Please ask us for details.
0: This is just in the game. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and
0: then, uh, lastly, dude. we shouldn't do this out loud. Just before you know it, maybe the modern developers forgot that you could do this. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and they're gonna. Not, next thing you know, you're gonna be like, "Finally, Last of Us Two. It's gonna be a great, <laughs> dramatic game, ready to get some chills and some thrills, and just be emotionally immersed." And then it's just like, <laughs> get some fan idiot <laughs> and, then, and it starts and then it's really depressing
2: <laughs> yeah. like, no and then it's also also if you want to sell Fanta
0: call this number <laughs> if you're a Fanta distributor at a convenience store and that's like a scrolling at the bottom is yeah. like somebody just viscerally choking somebody else out to save their <laughs> own life
1: when you brought a blast so I also just imagined the opening cutscene but with that music playing just the, I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to sing it and I was like wait a second that wouldn't make sense <laughs> this naughty dog the- like a logo pops up and then... Last of Us. <laughs> the last screen is just a copyright of sorts from Happy Soft LTD and what appears to be a false address from a residence in uh, Tokyo. So, yeah, all kind of furiously to the point there, but let's really place the tone with what comes next. Upon viewing those, you are then taken to the game's title screen with the name on top written in red against a black background and two. Badly grabbed images on the bottom, one of Jackie Chan clipped from the cover art of his Meals on Wheels film, and the other a candid picture of Deng Xiaoping's face, the ex-paramount leader of the People's Republic of China.
0: Yeah. Paramilitary or paramount? Paramount. Oh. I don't know what that means. Like this movie
2: studio? Yeah, the film company. (laughs) Also, it's Wheels on Meals. Wait, what did I say? Meals on Wheels, which is the charity.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've seen that movie, though. It's it's actually pretty good. Then what follows is to set up the um, plot, (laughs) I
2: guess. (laughs) Air quotes, plot. (laughs)
1: <laughs> is your uh, your opening cutscene? i kind of garbled that slowly but it's weird saying like story but yeah a series of propaganda themed photographs delivered in a gallery slideshow accompanied with bottom text that i will now read directly again i apologize for any overtly offensive terminology and themes here but this is what they wrote for players jumping in i guess First page, the year 1997 has arrived. A herd of fucking ugly reds are rushing from the mainland. <laughs>
0: Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's the first line of thing you see in this game. Second page, which features more bad photoshops of Jackie Chan. Crime rates skyrocketed. Hong Kong is ruined. Therefore, the Hong Kong government called Bruce Lee's relative Chin. And it's a picture of Jackie Chan. Okay. Yeah. You know, the distant cousin of Bruce Lee. <laughs>
2: yeah
1: third page, which features Jackie Chan once again, except now the backdrop behind him is an actual black and white photo of dead bodies taken from one of the death camps during the Holocaust. Not the corpse I was referring to earlier, by the way. But the text reads, For the massacre of the Reds, Chin is a killer machine. Wipe out all 1.2 billion of the Red communists which I think may have been the entire population of China back then.
0: This doesn't sound like it was made by anybody Chinese. <laughs> no. This probably sounds like it was made by Japanese.
1: <laughs> uh, fourth page. However, in mainland China, there was a secret project in progress, a project to transform the deceased Tang Xiaoping into an ultimate superweapon. Oh, an eerie coincidence here. While Ping was still alive in 95 when the game was developed, he did in fact die in 1997 from a lung infection and Parkinson's disease, which is kind of crazy like the, the title foretold it but he was also 92 and not exactly the beacon of health so yeah. not that unheard of I suppose but
0: because
1: <laughs> um, everything in this game this is all taking place during the the political handover right from yeah
2: so this game is called 1997 but it came out in 1995 oh, I missed yes. that part earlier yes okay Yes. Yeah, sorry it's trying. It's
1: basically like this is two years from now. Twenty XX, nineteen XX.
2: Also, fun fact: look yeah. this up because the game came out in '95, and you said photoshopped. Do you know Photoshop came out in the '90s? In My mom 1990? used
1: it in the '90s. I think yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure, it, I'm sure it isn't what it is today. But oh, yeah. I think it still it costed a fortune back know. then. They stayed I'm consistent at, there. I'm
2: looking at the box art for Hong Kong 97. That kind of looks like all the thumbnails
1: I made for this podcast. <laughs> 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 it's
2: kind of like exactly the same thing. So
1: who knows? But no more page reads. It's gameplay time. And uh, what you get immediately following all that is a a a shitty little cutout of a person that you control. Chin, I suppose. It's also kind of zoomed out and all on just one stationary playfield with the character facing forward despite only throwing projectiles behind him.
0: It's top-down?
1: Kinda, yeah. Okay. Yeah, But you got your guy. The objective then is to, quote, shoot and evade the Chinese populace and police officers moving downwards from the top of the screen. When shot, the enemies explode in mushroom clouds, leaving behind a flashy corpse and items for... Instant death or temporary invincibility. After a while, cars start appearing from the sides, moving horizontally across the screen as obstacles. I so think it's like, like a taxis. bullet hell? If it didn't move, like all one screen. Almost like old Galaga style or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then after 30 enemies have been defeated by the player, the final boss, ultimate weapon Tang Xiaoping, depicted as the disembodied proportionally giant bleeding head of Deng Xiaoping, appears. And once he is beaten, the game repeats itself, all while the background rotates between static photos of... Maoist Propaganda, for more of your communism imagery. Gulian, a prefecture-level city in the northeast of China's Guangxi Zhuang Autonomous Region. Chairman Mao Zedong in monochrome. And, of course, the logos for Asia Television and Chinese Coca-Cola.
2: I looked, right. up, I looked up screenshots and there's just a picture of <laughs> a dude shooting other dudes over the Coca-Cola logo.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry if I butchered some of the those readings, by the way. But... Yeah, close enough. <laughs> now, most of that I did read right from Wiki. Uh, just for that part, I've watched plenty of videos, but it's actually they, so
0: so. Cola, they
1: just summed it up easier there. Ooh. Shots fired, Austin.
0: <laughs>
2: I'm gonna leave.
1: <laughs> Besides, the gameplay itself isn't actually really even going to be the bulk of the story today. I just kind of wanted to give the rundown. Although there is still one last part that I do have to bring up: the infamous game over screen. If during the game you are struck by anything other than the invincibility item. Uh, Which I'll I'll say what that is later. The run is immediately over, taking you right to a screen containing the superimposed words Chin is dead, written in both all caps English and grammatically incorrect Chinese. All in front of what appears to be a real video still of an actual bullet-riddled corpse of an Asian man. The tracking information on the camera used to take this footage is still present as well, showing the date as August 6th, 1992, or would it be June 8th? I think the dates might be flipped there. Along with the precise timestamp of where the frame was taken from. After this, the game then goes to credits, strangely listing the embassy of Canada and Japan as cooperation partners, before abruptly feeding right back to the title screen to repeat the cycle all over once again. And if it wasn't already obvious, every single thing I just said past the title of this thing has absolutely no relation to that Robert Patrick movie. (laughs) But there's the game... Obviously, there isn't too much to it. I mean, there's plenty of questions about its weirdness and tastelessness, but it's not its actual moment-to-moment gameplay. So why are we even talking about it? Or, like, why do we even know about it, Uh, I should say? Oh, God. Wait, did you say where the picture was from? Uh, Yes, I will get there. Okay. That was actually the last thing uncovered in the story.
2: Okay. Yeah. That popped. Yeah, I know. All right. I'll get into that. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. I am reading ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's okay, I had to like make sure that those links were accurate too, because otherwise, what, otherwise, that would have felt kind of weird reading. But yeah, yeah. Well, unbeknownst to us in the West, the game actually did have a little bit of word of mouth travel in the East, specifically in Japan and Taiwan, where it gained a small cult following, possibly due to its ROM inevitably being dumped online, labeling its awful quality as kushos, kusoge, which literally translates to us here as "shitty game." Hmm. Uh, K-U-S-O-G-E. That's probably... A... pronounced the anthem. <laughs> <laughs> it apparently wasn't unpopular for underground scenes to form around this where enthusiasts would deliberately look for crappy products for fun, including anime, manga, and games. Yeah. But that's all over there. Who brought its attention to us here in the USA? It appears much of the newly formed interest and investigation into the bizarre title actually was because of the angry video game nerd. While now I may not particularly enjoy his content or persona on a personal level, <laughs> Austin is holding also back. I don't
2: like him. Is <laughs> he, that what you're waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: He is an extremely knowledgeable figure in the world of games and their more obscure alternative subcultures. He's covered many unusual releases over the years as a content creator, including making videos on lesser-known peripherals, foreign impulse, and failed business ventures.
2: I should, I should clarify I don't like his content. I have nothing wrong with the guy. Yes. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> as far as YouTubers go these days, that's yeah. a, most of his stuff is all centered around the retro. I kind of wish, you know, in 2019 he would just hang up the towel on the tired character of an angry video game nerd. But he has his own video
2: game. Is it's really? bad.
1: <laughs> what are you doing it? You get angry
2: at it. You're a nerd. You get angry at video games. I don't know. I didn't play it. Uh, yeah.
1: We already I did videos. the
0: hatred episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> on March 26, 2015, he uploaded a video to his YouTube channel. I think his name is James Rolfe, by the way. I, can, I think I'm just going to refer to him as that. James
2: Rolfe is his name.
1: Yeah, Angry Video Game is too long. It's
2: AVGN.
1: That's how people abbreviate it I on the internet. I
0: AVN, and I was going to tell you that's something else. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But he uploaded a video simply titled Hong Kong 97, where he showcased and mocked the game. I did watch it, but after the unbearable opening theme song. Holy shit. He did explain that it was pretty much only being explored because of the high request from his fans, likely due to its extreme difficulty and bottom-of-the-barrel reception. They wanted to see him get mad, which he did. Again, all on-brand.
2: On-brand. Yeah. Uh, Like (laughs) how we're the liberal snowflakes. (laughs) And that's our brand.
1: <laughs> I just we wearing Christmas sweaters with snowflakes. Yeah. On. <laughs> All year round. Before that, though, he did give a brief oh, summary know it on it. i
2: for Halloween. <laughs> Go on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He did give a brief summary on it. Uh, He doesn't go super in depth or anything He doesn't even note the fact that it was an unlicensed disk release It's highly possible he didn't know but it's still a little wonky of a delivery on backstory for my taste He does however still address the mysteriousness of it being the developers only release as well as its hyper rarity Considering no physical copy or even photo of one was ever unearthed at this point
2: I don't know if you're about to get to this Mm -hmm. and I apologize if I'm cutting you off, but does he address the game over screen? He does. Okay.
1: So, he runs through the game's opening that I described earlier before calling out its preposterous setup and gameplay equivalent of a middle finger, but he does point out that game over screen, hoping it wasn't real, which I was actually a little shocked to see that YouTube never... uh,
2: They let him show that? Yeah, they never
1: attempted the flag the video, considering. Mm. He does have millions, yeah. But anyway, he does do a full playthrough, saying it can technically be beaten in a matter of five minutes in lieu of its toughness and endless status. Well, then, after going into the uncoincidental nature of the movie with the same name along with the coincidental albeit freaky future prediction of both Xiaoping's ping's death and great britain's return of their rule of hong kong after 99 years back to china something the yeah. movie heavily features as a plot point as well both of which really did happen in 1997 he concludes the video with some jokes calls it shit, then moves on with the next entry in a series being on a completely different subject as per usual. Except this was by far the most coverage Hong Kong 97 ever got, sitting at just under 7.8 million views, not entirely unheard of for Roth, but crazy for exposure to something like this. For many, this was the first time anyone heard of its release, and fuck, did the people want to know more what company in the right mind would make this how did they even do it why did they do it who the fuck did the corpse belong to and was it real the investigation was on for where this shit post of a game came from yeah and what did the people find? Not really much for a while. Those hunting around for more details in the communities on 4chan and our games and our creepy gaming weren't able to shed a lot of light for a good long time, mostly because there weren't many things to even go off of. Searching for HappySoft wasn't bringing up much. That address wasn't bringing in up much, especially in 2015. Also, not to mention the language barrier between territories only made looking things up way more difficult, which I also hadn't ran into. Many started to believe the game never really was even for sale or created back in 1995 to begin with, while others claim to have seen it in the wild back in the day. Heavy rumors also began to spread, with some of the more outlandish, of course, being about the featured dead body. Researchers attempted to link the photo to reported deaths on the date pictured, one of which was said to be a documented suicide of a Polish Olympic boxer, although considering the wounds, it probably would have made very little sense. Mm. You don't there. Shoot yourself here when you kill yourself. Yeah, you just you in light your, up your, your chest. Uh, like, chest yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Other posters brought up the serious and disturbing question of whether or not this person was ever found to begin with, and that it was potentially possible that the game's creator was responsible for it, a la snuff film. Oh,
0: the, yeah, the creepy. But, anyway. Yeah, and oh, I mean, you never,
1: gross. you never know. Maybe that was why they never came forward with their identity afterwards. Regardless, the people pressed on, and wouldn't you know it, some new evidence started to turn up. The first being a supposed actual advertisement for the fabled title itself. And it seemed genuine. This was a crazy discovery when you think that the only information we had before this was through data on the ROM file.
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah, this was shared on Reddit on the r Massacre page, and eventually fully translated from Japanese to English in 2017, about two years after our Angry Video Game Nerd video.
2: Cinemassacre is... His... The company that angry video game nerd ah owns. okay should Is it like a
1: parent channel
2: company? Yeah, so he started out, I believe, doing movie stuff. And his channel was was Mm -hmm. called Cinemassacre.
1: Oh, okay. That makes sense as to why his fans would congregate here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But this post revealed quite some shit. Our first major highlight here does kind of explain its supreme rarity. According to the ad, the game appeared to have been mail order only and priced at 3,000 yen, or about 3,000. $30, $30, do- 30 U.S. dollars, shipping included. It makes sense when you think about it as to why this would have never surfaced in a store, like, ever, ever been carried in one. Then second, it pushes the angle again of an exchange service for pirated SNES cartridges, just like the message in the beginning of the game's Buddha. It even mentions the super wildcard system. <laughs> Alright, now beyond this, and before we get to the good stuff, there was a full cheeky Description for the story and gameplay written here, presumably by the creator. More than what was in that opening cinematic, anyway. And, of course, it's just as terribly misleading and racist as you would expect. It's also long, but some of the phrases featured are... Remember, this is Japanese to English. Full sampling excitement sound from digital material. Boss characters huge and mighty, splattering entertainment. Game setting of anarchy fear. I like that last one. I don't know. <laughs> that
2: sounds dope as shit. It does. Play, if there was like a Steam description with that, I'd buy it.
0: Game setting: anarchy fear. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't. Let me shit. get this straight. They said all that. What the game actually is is yeah. a guy shooting backwards on the screen at other guys, presumably horrible sprites, and yeah. the floor is changing pictures. Yeah. To various propaganda things and advertisements. Correct. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, I don't want to read. (laughs) Yeah, you know. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to read too much past that. There's a bit of calling Chinese people dirty in there that I'm not comfortable with. Definitely written by a Japanese guy. (laughs) Along with more genocide inciting that I'm also not comfortable with. Okay. It's not great, but. He does reference Mortal Kombat in it for some reason and points out two things regarding its contents that weren't confirmed before. One, that the invincibility power-up I mentioned earlier is heroin, <laughs> which, sure, I guess... Awesome. It's represented by a little hypodermic syringe sprite. I don't know if people haven't figured it out before, but... And two, that the body is real, since all assets in the game are, quote, real ones scanned from real images I use, so... That's kind of creepy. Not entirely but definitive, it still. It doesn't say where it's
2: from. Just it doesn't say where it's, it's from, just
1: that it's real. He's advertising it like, addressing it. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, enough retraining. We need more shit that will lead us to some actual hard evidence. Well, there was delivery info at the end, which I guess you would need to order it. Yeah. There it even explains why they went with the disk system to distribute it rather than make repro carts, which, spoiler, it was cheaper. And that they were planning to make a sequel. Spoiler: It didn't happen. Right. Um, but enough about that. We finally had names, two of them. Plus, there was even a fucking phone number with business hours, an email, and an agency called Dope Mania Japan. Awesome.
0: <laughs> that
2: is awesome. Happy Soft Dope Mania. This guy's got company names unlocked.
0: <laughs> there was suddenly maybe if it was Dope Mania instead of Bung or whatever versus or Bung Enterprises. <laughs> The dope mania
1: switch. I'd buy that. Would you buy a dope mania switch light?
0: (laughs) No. Uh, Still no.
1: There was suddenly so much more to carry uh, this deep dive forward. Now, obviously, most of these personal details in relation to companies are likely not in service anymore, which is fine because the identities themselves are the big one. One name listed is David Chen, who is credited as a programmer. Only problem is that that is pretty much the equivalent of a John Smith or Jane Doe here. It's unfortunately not much of a lead, as the person clearly wanted to stay anonymous. The second name, though, was much more unusual. It was Kowloon. And not only were they the mystical director of this piece, but that alias is much easier to look up. A few searches later turned up an Instagram, a Facebook page, and most importantly, an article written for an erotica magazine called Cream... Where he talks about the game under the name Kowloon Kurosawa, Kurosawa his actual last name, with his the f- director. Yeah, with his first what? No, not that.
2: <laughs> Kurosawa he directed
1: the game, but not, with his first name being uh, Yoshihisa, or I guess Yoshi for short, being found shortly after. That's a dinosaur, dude. I'm disappointed none of you guys left. First
0: his name, you idiot. <laughs>
1: I'm just disappointed that none of you guys laughed at the magazine being called Cream. Uh, you didn't hear me sigh <laughs>
0: audibly. Yeah, no, you said it was an adult magazine, right? Yeah. All right. All that scans. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> what? Two on the nose? It was Yeah.
0: No, two on the nose is a different adult magazine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but we had a name. We had means of contact. It really didn't take long for people to bombard his social media pages with questions surrounding the game. And... Did anybody try to call
2: the number? Yeah, and it didn't work. Didn't work. You, you remember, remember the giant bomb episode where they were playing old games? Yeah, and they called. Like they, they <laughs> called the number, and it was the developer's home phone number. And still he in still service. lived there, and, and, he he still, it. and he answered it. And he answered it. He was like the nicest old the guy the nicest in the guy, world. Yeah,
1: and he like answered some of their questions about the game, and then the, <laughs> they ended it with being like, "Please don't call him. He's enjoying his retirement." Like. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he he either wasn't active on them anymore, these pages, ignoring them for effect or just annoyed as all fuck and was simply just trying to hide. Either way, nobody was getting the answers they wanted, especially about the body.
0: So they hit him up. They found out who he was. They found his like
1: Instagram just and Facebook. Just one name. Well, they found Kowloon, which was like his handle. His handle, and then when they found the uh, porno, okay, okay. the article that it listed his alias, then his last name. Then, then they, they found did name. more searches. He found talks his about first
0: the game name. in the magazine. Yeah,
1: it, he was basically doing a like a fluff piece for like buy this. Fluff
0: piece, nice. <laughs> another doll magazine these write themselves
1: (laughs) (laughs) at one point during this phase some of those hunters even brought up the idea of getting the police involved on suspicions of his involvement in a snuff film you'd hide too if that was true but then something happened. In February of 2018, a post from someone under the name Shim Master C uploaded a photo of the supposed floppy disk game in question and its instruction manual, along with the caption, I have a real copy of Hong Kong 97, no joke. Some folks started leaving comments, were like, no way, while others mostly just made jokes or called bullshit. It looked real. But there wasn't a lot to really base that off of. It was kind of like the Nintendo Play Space Station at first. Anybody could make a mock-up. Not only that, their eagerness for internet fame and Reddit karma was also pretty apparent. The post showed up in our gaming, our creepy gaming, our game collecting, our Nintendo, even other stranger boards dedicated to Japanese and Chinese culture. He wrote that it was the only copy in existence, and users started all scanning eBay with no results. So people didn't really know what to make of it, although they did want to see more. If this person could film themselves actually running the thing, then boom, you'd be vindicated forever. Yeah. And have the, an ultimate piece of stupid and fucked up gaming history. I'd be jealous. Remember when I almost bought a box copy of Hatred? I didn't do it, but I thought about it. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out the the person was not only pretty active on the site uh, on Reddit. I mean, with loads of gaming related posts over the span of years. A good way to test authenticity of questionable things on Reddit is to check the like backlog of accounts, like as if they were just mm-hmm. created or something. Yeah,
2: so you find a guy who's real racist, and then his last post is just like, "Here's my dog wearing a hat." Like, I don't understand you, sir. <laughs>
1: But they also had a YouTube channel as well for their gaming content. It being called, um, I really hate this name. I'm sorry, guy.
0: You don't have to call him out.
1: Ultra Healthy Video Game Nerd. I think he would prefer if I called him out. I couldn't find his actual name. I tried. I guess he, he would have shown it more easily if he wanted to. That's fine. Now, at the time of him sharing this revelation, his stuff only had a few thousand views. Still decent, of course, better than us. But it still wasn't exactly the most reliable outlet. This all did eventually get him a bump. I think now he has had about like 12,000 subscribers. The final video in Hong Kong 97 that is still up has views in the hundreds of thousands, making it by far the most popular piece of content for him with the rest of the series tailing like right behind. I don't fully know how to feel about this guy. Like kind of personally, he comes off a little squirrely and unprofessional. Maybe he just has to work on his, like, delivery a little bit. But he does address these impressions of him as well, which is sort of endearing. He's clearly making things as an independent voice. He's very passionate. Most of the other videos on his channel are all opinions on retro stuff or about his game collection. It's not my thing, but whatever. He is a vital character in our topic today, and he's got a cute cat. (laughs) I don't know. I watched a bit of his stuff. It's all right. It's not, you know, I'm not trying to be too hard. He seems like a decent enough guy. So the first video of his proof on owning the Hong Kong 97 copy, this is on February 18th, literally just hours after the Reddit post. He explains how he heard about it, how he retrieved it. I think he heard about it from Angry, but he would get nerd. Along with waving the game itself around. His story was that it apparently just appeared one day in a listing on Japanese Yahoo auctions while he was browsing, you know, like you do. Though I guess it's not that out of the ordinary form considering his channel, but you yeah. know. He assumed it was fake, of course. The description was sparse but then he saw the seller's perfect score and starting bit of ten dollars on it so he figured why the hell not if it was fake who cares he even said that he would have bailed if the bidding went over five hundred dollars uh a lot yeah Yeah. well the auction ended closing at around 320 bucks with him as the sole winner to his surprise he got in a couple days and quickly went to tell the internet all about it at that point he was only making videos for about six months the response from viewers, they downvoted him to shit. Later, he pointed out that he uh, his overly excited demeanor may have been the major culprit in that. Uh or, not, no,
0: I think it was probably that Reddit's trash.
1: <laughs> that too. Not yeah. to mention the lack of explanation of how he even obtained it originally. The Yahoo auction news came way later. But he didn't quit there. In order to salvage his new reputation, he posted follow-ups, this time with screenshots of conversations with the seller and other deeper details regarding it. It's just that they didn't have the impact he was looking for either. Most people were already soured on the initial vid. This dude is one of the most foulest and most rarest games ever, and nobody was listening, like, you know, but he knew it was real.
0: So what do you mean? They never had physical copies. You always could just find it online or, like, through a... The
1: ROM was dumped at some point, so if if you have an emulator, you could probably technically play it pretty easily, but... All of the information in the ROM would lead you to believe that it came out in 1995, but they couldn't find much evidence that it actually did until, like, the the ad popped up, and which gotcha. was dated for back that then. That and they're like, maybe on. this was real, but, yeah. like, does anyone have a copy? Did anyone see it? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and then him being like, I have a copy is like, oh, shit, this actually so did why come didn't out.
0: He... Okay, maybe you're going to get to it in a second. Just play it on a video.
1: Because he needed to get a, uh, it was a disc system game, uh, so he had to get yeah. Like you said, like the ways to vindicate himself, the the most would be to just show it running. But he didn't even know if it worked. So this is when he went to go buy a Magicon disc player to show proof, proof that couldn't be faked. But those attachments weren't cheap, and you had to order them from far away just to even get them. Plus the one he got, of which got banged up in shipping, making it unusable. Ugh. Except viewers weren't buying it. It was all it all sounded too convenient, you know? Yeah. So he decided his last saving grace to get everything up and working would just be to try and get in touch with the man himself. Because who would know better? But why would the great Kowloon talk to him? Yeah. You know, he wasn't really talking to anybody else. Honestly, he just figured that if he asked technical questions about the device itself saying he had a copy rather than just bombarding him with inquiries about the dead body, then maybe he He would actually be interested in responding this time. So with the help of a Facebook group, his messages were sent out. Like, I think they helped him translate. After some time going by, those who were following only got more and more skeptical about his whole tale. Then the ultra-healthy video game nerd returned fire with the ultimate mic drop. Not only did the wacko help him with the unit, but he also got a fucking interview with him.
0: What? <laughs> yeah,
1: with Mister Yoshi Kurosawa himself, and for free. And this is where it's going to get really interesting because this is going to be kind of just like his whole into the mind of this freaking weird guy. So who was he exactly? Well, turns out he was an underground writer and kind of journalist documentarian it's hard to say he took his pen name Kowloon from a district in Hong Kong which i guess you know makes sense uh, is
0: Kowloon isn't that also the walled city you ever hear about that Kowloon oh, is it? the walled you know what i'm talking about no Kowloon walled city was like i think like i said i think they destroyed it recently within the last decade or so it was like some straight out of fucking cyberpunk dystopia it was a giant city it was like a blocked-in oh, area. Oh, wild. Where yeah, there were like layers. Pictures, and Yeah, it's definitely worth It looks, looking it looks into. like dread. Yeah, it <laughs> like, looks like fucking dread. It's that idea shit. one big like, chunk of yeah. like living space, like that people live on top of each other and stuff. That's crazy. Apparently it was like oh, an absolute shithole, yeah. and that's why it got like demolished. But yeah. Contained
2: 50,000 residents within its 6.4-acre borders.
0: Yeah. Oof insane. It was
2: controlled by the local triads and had high rates of prostitution, gambling, and drug abuse.
1: Dread has to be, like, (laughs) based off that idea. It it, it is, like, (laughs) straight-up fucking... Man. So he loved computers, using them to distribute his own homemade and counterfeit games for quick cash. They all have cheap, crude art. One was called Torture Master. I looked up some footage of it. It's fucking terrible, which makes sense, uh, (laughs) considering. But it is hard to tell what is on purpose here and what isn't. Like, he might just suck at making games. But yeah, uh, he was deep into the scene, Kowloon, I mean, of shady electronics and digital subcultures. Yeah. He'd often travel to areas in the region to pursue their local markets for the more interesting shit. Kind of awesome in some ways, really. Like, it's pretty punk rock. This is where he got his Super Wild Card 2, along with a bunch of others that he smuggled back to Japan to illegally sell for a profit. The Big N was way harder with cracking down on piracy in their home country than China, making the customer base limited... Although it was still apparently enough to keep him rolling, or afloat for a little while. Except one day, he did get a cease and desist letter from Nintendo stopping him from selling the
0: devices.
1: (laughs) Luckily, he had other means of making money by writing about his travel adventures and, quote, encounters with weird people or dangerous situations. He even published books about these life experiences, compiling stories of prostitution, drugs, low-level criminals, and, frankly, anything else that was deemed vulgar or sensational. A, quote, reflection for the past less traveled. It's almost beautiful. Uh, Reminds me a little of John Waters, but without the charm of acceptance. Um, I use the term books, by the way, but I'd say they're probably a little more similar to, like, tabloids. Whether or not it's actually art or just trite is up to you. I will warn that they do rely heavily on the stereotype that Asia is, quote, a primitive and lawless place. It is starting to make sense that, you know...
0: He made this game. Yeah.
1: This uniqueness and vision would uh, bring those worlds together. In the form of Hong Kong 97. So while he was doing this, follower of his work, presumably our David Chen from earlier with the ad, contacted him about making a game to sell. And he was no random fan either. Apparently he had already been closely involved on some major projects prior, including releases for Square and Enix, uh, which would explain some of the animidity. But also because of this resume, Kurosawa accepted yeah. Seem harmless enough in any way, right? Like someone from who did work for two of the biggest like game developers yeah, in Japan actually, at the time. I or... read that
0: that's uh, because of they saw that he worked for both of them. They said, "Hmm, those names sound good together. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's uh, put them together." I'm just uh, that's not why they did it. They did it for money. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> corporate, over, corporate takeover.
1: <laughs> but they quickly became friends. Kurosawa would come up with the idea for it and handle all the art and writing for the game, while our mystery programmer would program. Kowloon could barely program his way out of a computer, let alone a Super Nintendo a console they chose since it was the biggest in the territory at the time. Anyway, it didn't take long for him to finalize his pitch, which I will now read. Make the foulest, most offensive game the world has ever seen. Ignore copyright laws, ethics, and expectations for game design. Sort of like Postal or Hatred before they were even conceived. Good to know these concepts have existed for forever or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. and it always works out. Yeah. Well, they're millionaires. So yeah, not going to read that plot, Any the, the plot of this again, but this is where that was thought up. And uh, he then grabbed images of real people, without their permission, obviously, along with the dead body, which wait, was... Hey, he didn't get
2: Jackie Chan's permission? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, wait, you told me this whole time, yeah. Jackie Chan wasn't that signed for was legal? Is that what
1: you're trying to tell me? It's not Jackie Chan, it's Bruce Lee's cousin, Chin. <sighs> guy's not listening to anything I'm saying. No, yeah, it was Jackie Chan from
2: Meals on Wheels or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Imagine Jackie Chan
1: working for Meals on Wheels, though.
2: He'd be real good at delivering the food. He would be.
1: Yeah,
0: he would like jump through a
1: little window or
0: something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but this is where the corpse came from, which was intentional to shock. He said he did all of this, by the way, getting all this these things put together in three hours, converting the pictures all into raw data from things that were just lying around his place. Unfortunately, this. <laughs>
0: oh, and he just take that body, take picture. Jackie Chan, take a picture
2: of that. <laughs> Coca-Cola, Mao dog. <Zedong. laughs>
1: Unfortunately, this still didn't help much in speculating the concern over the actual identity of the bullet-filled corpse featured, but it did at least answer the question of how the Company of Two came in possession of it. Turns out the frame is from a Japanese Mondo film or exploitation documentary called New Death File 3, published by adult film company VNR Planning. It's supposedly comparable to the Faces of Death or Traces of Death films that we have over here, which. Yeah. Sidebar. I fucking stuff. hate that shit. Oh, I, yeah. I like. I know footage like what's featured in those are now just on the internet for distribution, rather than being passed around with tapes for profit. But if you're into that stuff. For like the sole purpose of just entertainment. Yeah, I think you legitimately have something wrong with you yeah. and should seek help. Well yeah. Like most are obtained without the permission of relatives. It's pretty fucking gross.
0: Yeah, now you can just go to live leak. Watch whatever yeah. you want.
1: It took Reddit way too goddamn long to take the take down R watch people die. Yeah. Like this.
2: <laughs> it's a fun fact. It says here on Wikipedia that this new Death File 3 is available on LiveLeak. <laughs>
1: Told you. Yeah, I fact. guess I guess you did. And... <laughs> so the d- degenerate sick? I, I do that. I'm
0: just familiar with what the <laughs> I know. know, I yeah. You remember? And I always watch them. remember
1: Rotten dot com lunch. back in the day?
0: No. Yeah. I was on porn websites, but well, I wasn't looking at weird. Oh, shit. Oh, me
1: too. But then they were like, "Here's a site where you can watch like helicopter footage of the war in Afghanistan." I'm like,
0: nah. No, that was that was CNN. <laughs> <laughs> That was Fox News. Yeah. I think that that was the media. <laughs>
1: but they edited out all the good parts. Yeah. Oh. Gross. <laughs> I'm playing a role obviously in there. But uh-huh. mm, but anyway, <laughs> they have a lot of roles lately. <laughs> <laughs> Kurosawa ex- obtained the body image from the VHS by pausing it and photographing his TV screen. I guess that's why it had the, you the know, the... Yeah. He says he doesn't even know where the copy of the lo-fi death file tape is anymore, although community users dug up and found out that the unidentified man in the picture is of a civilian who was killed in 1992 during the Bosnian War, a conflict that took place in Bosnia and Herzegov- Herzegovina. Herzegovina between 92 and 95. Nice. Nice. And as Austin said, apparently you can find a Portuguese dub of the footage on Live Leaks. so you, you, you still Portuguese? want to confirm it for yourself.
2: What? Port- they speak Portuguese in, where's it right? Taiwan. Taiwan. Taiwan.
1: Yeah. Right. So if you want to, you know, confirm it for yourself, it's there. I won't be, but...
0: You won't be, like what, like in the live message board below the video?
1: <laughs> no, I just won't be confirming for my yeah. Alright, anyway, back to the fun stuff. The song was ripped off of a laser disc, which he had, which I I think is great, like... <laughs> not, not much of a conundrum where the Jackie Chan cutouts came from. The last thing, though, was shockingly the decision to have it all be translated in multiple languages. A very uncommon practice for games of the era, but definitely helped later lead the title into recognition. He found a friend for the English option, although he had to hire a foreign exchange student for the Chinese dub, or sub, sorry. So pieces were all there. He sent everything over to the programmer to bake the pie, which clearly couldn't have taken long or been too difficult. But game is done. It sucks shit, just like they wanted It was never really a deep business endeavor. However, it was still the opportunity to bring in a couple bucks like they were hoping. Maybe those who dared to throw down for it would get pissed off afterwards, too, which would be a real bonus to the goal, according to Kowloon, to make the worst game ever. There's no time to waste in getting this thing to market. The completed file was sent back to Kurosawa. He quickly made some copies and whipped up an ad in the form of a postcard with, quote, just as little care as the rest of the game was given. (laughs) Again, cutting and pasting more things from around his home. He then wrote an article for a local gaming magazine dedicated to pirating and homebrewing called Game Labo that would hopefully... Nintendo
0: (laughs) Labo? (laughs) Yeah. You can make a magazine with that
1: thing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which would hopefully make potential buyers curious or just aware of the product.
0: It sounds to me like this guy was just, like, the American equivalent of, like, a get-rich-doing-anything. Yeah. Like like the
1: dude from, uh... They're
0: like the guys from Trello Park Boys. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. those kind of people, but the Japanese version is like, <laughs> fuck it, I like video games, I can make a video game.
2: Just fuck Kinda. it, let's
0: make it mean. <laughs> Throw a bunch of shit together real quick and send it over.
2: <laughs> At least he didn't actually kill somebody. It's like our uh, our sound guy, Jason, showed me a show. Have you ever seen uh, People Do Nothing? People no- Just Do
0: Nothing, People yeah. Just Do
2: Nothing. Corrupt FM, <laughs> 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 I love that
0: Corrupt show. It <laughs> is like that. It's, <laughs> like, it's like the guy who runs the, the convenience store the, or whatever. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, 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 the, one, the, the
2: first episode, he's like, yeah, hey, I bought 3,000 boxes of this because it was just peanut dust. It yeah. was just the, the dust <laughs> from peanuts. Cause, like, you know how the dust from peanuts is the best part?
0: that's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the whole bit.
2: It's so good. Yeah, I'm that's on board. Sure. I'm <laughs> on board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it
0: shouldn't kernel. I think it's actually on Netflix. So yeah, yeah. Be, yeah, That's funny. It's definitely
1: worth watching. <laughs> For those that did want to pull the trigger <laughs> DJ Beats. That's his <laughs> name. DJ Beats. <laughs> Uh, For those that did want to pull the trigger, for whatever reason, you had to get a money order from your post office and then mail it to that P.O. box the creators were renting. It is the same defunct address in the insert and on screen in the game itself. According to the interview, the asking price was around 2,000 to 2,500 yen, or 20 to $25, which is... Bad. Well, it is, but also the ad said it was 30, so... uh I don't know if he's misremembering or these older prices, but remember illegal game plus illegal device. This method was pretty much all Kurosawa had to reach yeah. like an, an audience, you know, or his audience. The people who were reading his tabloids anyway. Not only that but the game was being sold on a Famicom disc. Most of the owners of the peripheral needed to even play it were already stealing legitimately good games to play for free anyway. (laughs) (laughs) There wasn't a lot of interest in that demographic to take the risk to buy titles, let alone this one. Uh, Because of this, order numbers for this thing weren't exactly looking like good out the gate. So quiz time, because I love doing this on episodes that, uh, you know, where this comes up. But how many copies do you guys think Hong Kong 97 sold? 97. 13. (laughs) 17. It's between the
0: two. 17.
1: Well, when asked, Caruso recounts that it was around 30 copies. 30. He had already printed a few more discs along with hundreds of inserts, but once he saw that this thing wasn't going to fast pass him to becoming a millionaire, he scrapped them all.
0: Yeah. So was the one that the kid had real then?
1: We'll get to that. Right. So you can call it a commercial failure. Although, was this ever really meant to be a hit in all seriousness to begin with? Like, it sounds like it. It sounds uh, like you wanted to be rich. I mean. To be honest
0: with little to no effort. That's what I'm saying. He sounds like one of those fucking English or like, you know, (laughs) Canadian television characters. This
1: game wasn't really much of anything, which deservingly so. Like and it's odd to think the Kowloon man himself would even have expected anything more. It pretty much would have just faded into obscurity if it wasn't for emulators and the rise of the modern internet. Hell, you can technically go play Hong Kong 97 right now.
0: I play it on my phone.
1: I recommend it about as much as Hatred, maybe even less so. I mean, I played that. Might as well play this. Yeah. (laughs) One last thing that I do find really fascinating, though, is to this day, we still don't know who uploaded the first ROM online. No one who worked on it took credit for that. And with so little copies out there, it's crazy to believe that this thing made its way through. At least getting the data off a floppy disk was probably easier than the alternatives. He he didn't do it? He said he didn't do it. Other than them to think, we technically have the angry video game nerd along with a bunch of Japanese retro enthusiasts for shining the spotlight on such a weird, stupid, unknown thing. Uh, the one video alone made it so that a few hundred or thousand people aware of it suddenly exploded into millions overnight. Right. Similar to Polybius, though, the game was something of a myth for quite some time. The company Happysoft seemingly never really existed, just like Sinislergian. There were no records of a launch or solid evidence of anyone finding and selling It until now, and that if you were even prepared to look for it, very little information was available in English, where the demand to solve the mystery was most high. It took heavy sleuthing just to get in touch with its creator, a creator who didn't want to be bothered. He lives in Cambodia now, still traveling to seedy places to write sensational stories about the quote dregs of society. He's seemingly like he honestly kind of forgot about his magnum opus as some would call it and never in a million years would have humored the thought of it getting a following or having people like us talk about it right now in 2019 even when he saw attempts to contact him it was overwhelming with most of them not passing well through translation or, fuck, there was still the whole matter of the game not being passed around legally or mainly, you know. Nintendo was still around protecting the brand of the Super NES quite hard. Like, publishing the photo of the corpse alone could have got him in a whole lot of trouble, too. Yeah. I mean, as well it should, I suppose. Yeah. But that's the end really. The Healthy Nerds video ends with him successfully booting up and playing the game, cutely bobbling along to its music loop. Kurosawa even responded directly to the upload confirming its authenticity. I think like he I left comments like and then people linked that back to like it's because everything's you know yeah all connected but our youtuber thanked him one last time while also commenting on the politeness of their meetup before the creator quickly faded back away into uh the underground although according to both our main characters today it was said that him and his anonymous programmer buddy also years later went on to help develop mini so- mini suke police for the playstation 2 a Japanese-only up from Daft and D3 Publishing. I think D3 Publishing used... Uh, don't they do the... Um, EDF. EDF games, yeah. It retailed cheaper than most PS2 games at the time and was about lady cops in miniskirts that fought crime or something. I don't know. But hey, at least that release uh, yeah. was official. you know it got the thumbs up from sony right (laughs) so so i think this all closes the book on hong kong 97 pretty definitively and while we may not ever know who the poor individual was in the game over screen pretty much everything else about it is now out there and has been answered the rest is just how you interpret what the fuck this thing actually was a bizarre attempt at black humor yeah prank vehicle for troll entertainment. It's. I you know, think
0: I'm on it. I think what I said is oh, right. Yeah, I this think pretty it's good. like, make a couple money.
1: <laughs> but it's barely even a game. There's something kind of punk about it. I don't know. I guess either way. I think it's one of the most intriguing stories out there in the world of off-the-path video games. Yeah. It's yeah. very weird. Yeah, it's very weird. So, I'm, you know... It's
0: not as mysterious when you know everything, but I like not, that we know everything. Yeah,
1: so it's it's... This is interesting because we started doing this podcast last year. Over a year ago is when we started doing, like, initial research and, like ballparking ideas and stuff yeah. and Hong Kong 97 was at that point none of this was answered yeah. and I was one of those people who was like frequenting those yeah, I remember pages being, and boards yeah this I, topic being
2: on our first list of topics to cover Yeah, and at that, and that po- was before yeah, there was an answer the interview for yeah, yeah. it was
1: it was before the interview and it was also before they knew you know where the body came from it mm-hmm. was before this person had a video of it running Mm -hmm. so by that point it was maybe a little bit more mysterious but i I like that there's there's no ambiguity in this anymore but it is like weird because i i like weird creepy stuff and i love video games so it, it makes sense that that would cross over like i didn't hear about the game in 2015 when angry video game nerd covered it because i don't watch his videos but i did hear about it through those communities later when everybody was doing all the investigating and all the sleuth thing, and that was kind of fun I, I never got involved in it but I did like check every few days to see like if anybody found anything new yeah. but then I sort of fell off of the story after a while after it seemed like there were dead ends and I wasn't getting resolved or answered and then like I you know popped back in when we were going through our scripts for stuff for October and then realized like holy shit this is actually like had closure <laughs> like yeah but yeah that's that's it for today that's cool going on with yeah, our halloween stories I, I don't know like it's not like it's
2: mysterious
1: I, it's mysterious i think it fits with the theme next week's one is going to be i there think are, a little more there
2: are a lot of parallels to polybius i yes, mean you brought that up there yeah. if you haven't listened the month of october we've been doing uh, Halloween. yes yeah, yeah. Halloween. <laughs>
0: scream button
2: scream <laughs> <laughs> button spooky stories they in were the def- world of video they were games. definitely
1: both like full-fledged like
2: yeah there's
1: un- uncovering
2: if you, if you haven't listened to it go back and listen to our yes please, episode um, which will be out before this one
1: I love researching these topics but it is so much harder <laughs> than oh, yeah. like yeah cuz it, it's stop picking yeah do it like me
2: and pick a spooky story that took place in America <laughs> 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 wherever all the
1: information is in English yeah that's true so I'm not going to spoil the Polybius one but it is interesting how different both of the endings are you know but like but oh, the, hell yeah, yeah. it makes <laughs> you think both about urban
0: legends. you know Maybe Polybius was just some guy who's drunk and high somewhere, <laughs> for, forgetting about that he made it.
1: I know. I just—it was so funny because when I first heard of this game, I thought it was like the the creepiest thing ever, and then you kind of flip my worldview upside down when you're like, it's probably just these dumb idiots. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? You're probably right. Like, like, it's just like you see the game itself, and you're like, oh, this is so ominous and strange and and fucked up, and then you just yeah. like the people making it are just like, yeah, <laughs> It's like not-
0: literally looking. around Around his house, like it's, like somebody's asking what his name was, and he's trying to say anonymous, a uh, water recording interface.
2: <laughs> yeah, Polybius, yeah, you're just like, it's probably just some urban legend myth, and then you find the story behind that, and you're like, oh, uh,
0: yeah. Oh,
2: shit. Yeah. Then this one, you're like, oh, man, it's probably like it's a snuff inverse. film. Yeah. And this dude's just like, I don't know, I was bored between writing porn articles. Yeah. <laughs>
0: i like it i like that though. something about
1: that i like yeah Yeah. that's why i'm glad there is a little bit of things to make fun of like there is a bit of that curve in the story because otherwise it maybe would have just been like two but but yeah yeah. thanks for letting me do that one yeah it's been on our docket for a while i don't know if people will instinctively want to listen to this by the title But it doesn't have the same grab as Call of Duty and Madden or no. <laughs> Elder Scrolls. So what's
0: Scrolls. next? We got one more left.
2: Do you want to spoil it or do you want to keep it le- um, them wait? Well,
1: I did a tease last time. Okay. Uh, let what me do think you, of it. Think of a tease for next time. Okay. All right. I think I got one. It... No, that's too on the nose. Nobody reads on the nose. Mm. That was a callback. All right. It's a movie, right. and that inspired what, what a game that do... inspired a franchise. Well, we're gonna do a watershed game. It's a movie that birthed a tie-in game that was a spiritual successor to that game that spawned a, a no... franchise. Yeah, man, that was the worst fucking delivery. <laughs> I just I... cut I... the ladder <laughs> <out>. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's our story.
2: Yeah. yeah. And that is week three of our four-week-long October... What'd you say? Skeleton?
0: Skeleton dance? Skeleton, I, I don't know.
2: Um, we, have Scream one, we have one more coming out. The last that... one's a biggie. I, I think it, yeah. it is definitely the, uh, like... Um, uh, Brady's been talking about yeah. this one for a while, so... Uh, I'm sorry
0: that I teased that this episode would make something melt to your face and it didn't. I mean, unless <laughs> you're near, like, a microwave or something and you have tinfoil in your head. But um, well, yeah, be sure to Keep an eye out
2: for that—the thrilling conclusion to our four-week-long yeah. Halloween
1: stint. Hotween—it's going to be a good one. One I'm very passionate about.
0: It's been a good
2: month of spooky stories. Yeah, and then back to spooky, your regular schedule. Still fucked up programming
1: yeah. <laughs> in November. Oh, Chris has got a really fucked up one. You're gonna—that's too oh, fucked yeah. up for Halloween. I don't
0: think I think we'll go with my other one first because I'm still okay. That's yeah. fine. That's a, yeah. I started doing research on the other one before that one. That, yeah. So.
1: <laughs> that's
2: fine. I <laughs> um, do some plugs. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If this is your first episode, especially thanks for listening. All you oh, yeah. all you people have been yeah, listening for, for a while. To new people. I feel too, like the
1: theme of the stuff that we're doing this month is a good way to reach people that are also into... Yeah. The if few, into Halloween for the stuff. If
2: this is yeah. your first episode, like I said, we got, we got other two more stories, Halloween so, ones yeah. and then like 40 <laughs> other ones before that. So <laughs> yeah. you got some listening to do. it's more than that. You can find all of those episodes on our website, com. that has links to all of our feeds, like iTunes, and Spotify, and Google Play, and Podbean, and
1: Did you said some Stitcher. <coughs> Stitcher. You guys, you Hill guys Hill. said on some weird Radio ones and last time. I Heart
2: Radio, at Himalaya. <laughs> Himalaya. We're on I Heart
0: Radio? Wait, yeah. I still it's know Himalaya. Uh, there's, uh, okay.
2: there's, there's like a billion podcast apps, and they all just pull from iTunes. So yeah. oh,
0: okay. <laughs> as long as you
2: um, put your RSS feed there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. As long as you put it on iTunes, Podcasting good. tips yeah. for we, we on SoundCloud um, yet? No. You can only have a couple episodes <laughs> of, at a time on SoundCloud. Really? And I think originally the plan was <clears> to, <throat> to put do, the most recent two have, in there. We do
2: have a SoundCloud because it's, Our lim- songs on it, it's it? limited by the <laughs> amount of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so Jason has been uploading all the clips that we promote with on our show. Oh, what club. a guy. Yeah, so, um...
1: <laughs> good luck getting a clip out of this one. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. You can also follow our website through to our social media to hear those clips and see my stupid photoshops and find out what episodes we're
1: doing next. Did you make the cover for Hunk?
2: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna do some fun shit with it, I'll tell you that much.
1: Yeah. To be a Meals on Wheels truck. Twitter,
2: Twitter, Instagram. Damn it, you ruined it. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Hot Button Cast. And I think that's it for the plugs. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Stay scared. Boo.